Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. How are we doing, people? Everyone having a good week? I know I am. Been a long day or two, but we're here. Uh, here's the plan. We're going to have some football thoughts off the top, some stuff on quarterbacks around the NFL. Could uh, the Saudis ever get their money into football? I, I think it's, I, I've seen that float around, and I just think it's, listen, it's topical. And then for the mailbag, I, I didn't answer some questions. I didn't answer any questions on the golf pod Wednesday. I'm going to answer, I'm going to go through at Golopod is the Instagram for the golf content. It's how you get in the golf mailbag. I'm going to answer some of those questions after football talk. And then I'll just do a mailbag show that will come out on Sunday, like we do a lot of the times. And I, I know some of you guys listen to that by Monday or Tuesday, but be a long mailbag that will be posted on Sunday uh, of this weekend. And then you can listen to whenever you want. But th- those will be a lot of your questions because I got, I looked in my my normal DMs, just my name, at John Middlecoff, ton of questions. We, we will attempt to get to everybody. It's hard, you know. No secretary here. I should get AI, uh, the AI bot. My girlfriend was like, have you seen that new $20 AI that does a bunch of stuff for you? I'm like, no, but shit. Play with it and tell me if it's good and then I'll use it. I could use an AI secretary. I'll tell you that much. Especially $20 a month. That's a hell of a deal. No wonder computers are coming after people's jobs. U.S. Opens next week. We're going to have uh, the volume merch. I'm going to give away, uh, not give away, but three and out hats. And I think we're going to give, you, you buy a hat, you get uh, a water bottle. I, I don't have it in front of me. I will get to it next week and have the exact deal for the U.S. Open LACC. It's going to be, you know, live golf. Even if you don't like golf, you got to pay attention next week. It's going to be very, very fascinating. I, I will find out the deal with the merch. I just, I, it's on my email and uh, I'm already rocking and rolling. So let's dive into the podcast. But first, do you want to go to an NFL game? Do you live in Cincinnati? Do you want to go watch the next Ken Griffey Jr.? Just saw the guy got pulled up, hit a monstrous home run, ran from like first to third in 10 seconds. It was incredible. Home to third. You want to go to any sporting event. You want to go to any concert. I'm going to Morgan Wallen. He just said on Instagram, his voice is back. He can sing again. Well, guess how I do it? I go to my app store, 
I download the Game Time app. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. They're the fastest growing ticketing app in America. And when you sign up, use the promo code J-O-H-N. That's my name, John, and get $20 off. So you want to go to an event, you want to go to a game, download the Game Time app, promo code John. Concerts, comedy shows, every sporting events, college and pros, get on it right now. Use my promo code. Appreciate everyone that has. Let's start with uh, some quarterback storylines. And one thing I always love in the NFL is like when old school coaches, and listen, this guy's an elite defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio was king of this. I'll never forget when the 49ers, they had been good for a couple years with Harbaugh and they drafted Eric Reed in the first round. I think like pick 20, really, really high. Might have been the late teens. And through OTAs and even through early in training camp, Eric Reed was like running with the threes. And then when week one came around, he was the starting safety. And, you know, a lot of times with young quarterbacks, and I totally understand making a guy earn his stripes. You know, in in the big leagues, in any professional environment, you can't just hand someone 21, 22, 23-year-old something. They have to earn it. But I also think in pro sports, like if I just work at Wells Fargo and I hire some guy at 23 years old to work in the corporate office, obviously he's not going to be in meetings with the CEO, right? But if I had paid that 23-year-old coming out of Harvard $30 million to be like the co-CEO, he's going to get to do some shit pretty immediately. And I saw that Bryce Young is now running with the ones. And I understand starting the offseason. It's like, just have Andy Dalton go out there with the ones, have this guy go out there with the twos. But this is not Trey Lance, a guy that played one season of college football, or Mitch Trubisky. This is not some guy like Anthony Richardson who's barely played, and even he could end up being the week one starter. This is a multi-year starter at Alabama. This guy has been operating in an NFL operation, an NFL program as Nick Saban would say, with an NFL offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. So any snap, any single rep, this guy, and he's a high-character guy, he's all in. It's not like you're dealing with Jamarcus Russell here where you got to hold his hand. This guy's been a pro for a couple years. Every single rep, whether it be in June, whether it be in early August, and obviously once the season starts, you don't give to this human being is insane. Like Part of the reason Mahomes had to redshirt is One, he needed some work. And two, they had Alex Smith. You guys have Andy Dalton. So I'm going to give Frank some credit for going with them. I I don't think we ever see this player ever again running with the twos. The only way this guy isn't the week one starter is if he's injured. And when you trade all that, like, what are we waiting for? This isn't 1992 where we got to earn our stripes. Those days are over. You're paying this guy a 30 plus million dollar signing bonus. He comes from probably the best college football program ever. (laughs) I know they haven't won it the last couple of years, but when you look over a 15-year period, Nick Saban is my version of John Wooden, and this guy's ready to roll. And everything Nick said about him, everything everyone that's been around this guy has said about him, just hand him the keys and let him drive. You know, this guy doesn't need a learner's permit. Now, it's the NFL. It's going to be different, but there, there probably isn't a guy given the He's played Georgia countless times. Who isn't more ready to at least operate as a 21-year-old rookie? I saw this story coming out of Detroit that Dan Campbell said that Jared Goff is better now than he was when he was a Ram. And I think a lot of people's first reaction, like if you're not a Detroit Lion fan or a Rams fan, you're like, well, 
Didn't he like take the Rams or help the Rams get to a Super Bowl and have a couple year stretch where they were winning a ton of games, winning the NFC West, going to the playoffs several years in a row? I'd say, yeah, it's true. Say the little bit of difference is that defense was awesome and their run game was elite. And one thing I give the Detroit Lions a lot of credit for, because I, I can speak for myself. I've been in positions. I'm in one now where I feel very supported, like with the volume, people behind me, people have, you know, this has been a team effort. We're all on the same page. We're all rooting for each other. We're all arm in arm. And I've been in positions in radio and in the NFL where management changed and the support was not there. Now, I'm glad it all worked out that I'm sitting here now. But at the time, it was like, this sucks. And when you don't have support and you work for people or work with people, it's easy to lose confidence. Like you're not born with confidence. And confidence is easy. It is, or once you have it, you feel invincible. But once you lose it, I don't care what you do, it's not always easy to get back. And at quarterback, think how many things are out of your control, right? You don't control the personnel around you, who's playing offensive line, who you're throwing to, who's your running back. You don't control who your offensive coordinator is, which is enormous in any level of football, whether it's high school or whether it's the pros. And you don't control kind of the city, the narrative, and just the elephant in the room. You play for the Detroit Lions. It's not easy. They are used to losing. And I think the Lions, starting with Dan Campbell and starting with the front office, have done an excellent job of supporting Jared Goff. Because when they got him, it felt like he was kind of a beaten dog. I've never... uh, you had a rescue dog, but no, several people that have, I'm around one now, even though she's just like a domesticated dog now. And, uh, you know, people will tell you when they get a rescue dog, depending on the situation, they can be very timid and can be very scared, right? Maybe they've been beaten depending where they were previously. It wasn't pretty, right? And then after a while, you give them some tender, loving care. The dog just starts acting normal and gets very friendly and gets very social, right? But at first, you're just, you're just kind of timid. Anyone that's been fired or lost a job, or been laid off, Like it's a pretty low position, even if you didn't even want to be there anymore. And anytime that you get traded, and the way Jared Goff was traded, it wasn't just like, hey, listen, NFL, I got traded for Matt Stafford, he's a better player. He got traded as his head coach was talking shit about him constantly. Hell, Sean McVay, who, listen, impressive guy, has even had to come back after and like, pseudo-apologized, you know, I was was a little harsh, because he was. And listen, there are probably things about Jared Goff that pissed you off, but like, hey, Sean, there's things he's not physically able to do. And I think one issue with Sean McVay, I think Josh McDaniels had this, has this, and Josh uh, John Gruden definitely had this, is they're too fickle with players. You know, obviously some players are bad and they're not going to improve and you got to get rid of, but some guys ebb and flow. Some guys have some good games and they have some bad games. There is like a long view Andy Reid's the best at this. I think Pete Carroll's really good at this. They're not like living and dying every single game, every single play with every single player. John Gruden turned on guys after one game. Can't coach this guy. Hunter Renfro with the Raiders. Like a year ago, Josh, you extend this player because he was a really good slot receiver. You really liked him. And now a year later, you've been trying to trade him. Like what happened? Happens with Sean McVay all the time. It's like, Sean, you just signed Allen Robinson. And then a year later, you can't get rid of him fast enough. Make up your fucking mind. Like you, you can't consistently operate like that and have sustain, sustained success. You have to be willing to like adapt to the player, go through some downtimes. And I think the Lions, and it's easy when you suck, but it's just been very positive and have been very uplifting to a guy that needed a lot of confidence. Jared Goff has limitations. 
He is never going to be as talented as Herbert, as Mahomes, as Burrow, obviously as Josh Allen. He doesn't have their physical gifts, but he's pretty good. Like if Kirk Cousins can do what he's doing, Jared Goff sure as hell can do what he's doing, right? So I think the Lions know they actually have something pretty good who's on a relatively cheap contract for a starting quarterback in the NFL, and they deserve a lot of credit. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on them this year. It's going to start with that week one game against the Chiefs, but building up a guy's confidence. It is so key, you know, any parent that's listening to this right now, there's a difference of being unrealistic, like, son, you're going to be the next Steph Curry. No, you're probably not. But like, son, you can do whatever you want, like, and really, really push them in a positive way. You know, the way I grew up, you know, could be a little more negative, (laughs) could be a little more negative reinforcement. Uh, But that's just, you know, the baby boomers, they're a little different. And I think this generation, my generation of parent is going to be very positive. Yeah, you have to do it realistically. It's like, son, you're the next Reggie White. It's like, bro, your kid's like 5'9", 200 pounds. Yeah, We're going to sell real estate, but we're going to do a hell of a job. We're going to be the number one real estate in our county. And I I, I just, I think the Lions, man, have done an awesome job with Jared Goff because he is good and you clearly can win games with him. And they got enough talent around him. That I don't think it's it's just not unrealistic for them to win 10 plus games. Last but not least, Sirianni today. He said that Jalen Hurts is the most coachable player, not the most coachable quarterback, the most coachable player he's ever been around. And he's obviously been in the league now for, you know, 10 plus years, been around the Phillip Rivers, been around a lot of really good players. Look at the guys on the Eagles. And I think it shows you, man, when you are willing to be to be pushed. I think it's whatever we do, because I think it's easy. You you can sell cars. You can be a doctor. You can be a podcast host. Think you know it all. Now, depending on who, it's easy when you're Jalen Hurts and you're listening to Nick Sirianni, or you're listening to Lincoln Riley, or you're listening to Nick Saban, like they have a lot of credibility. Not everyone talking to whoever's listening to this right now, trying to give them advice always has credibility. But I think sometimes like you can get realistic, good advice and just kind of not listen. And it's a quality a lot of us probably battle. Right. Of being like, you know, there's a difference between criticism and like, yeah, I should probably implement that into my daily life. Like, that's pretty good advice. And uh, Jalen Hurts, he shouldn't be as good as he is. He shouldn't have become a max quarterback in the NFL. But when you have his work ethic, his desire, his drive and his willingness to be coached, you usually get the most out of yourself. I saw with the Golden State Warriors, their star players, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Steve Kerr has pushed them and pushed them and pushed them for a decade now. And they've accomplished a lot. Now, obviously, they have, the three of them combined have a lot of talent, but they were willing to be coached. Greg Popovich talked that forever with Tim Duncan. Same thing with Belichick and Tom Brady. Every story that ever came out of New England is like, I had no choice but to take it because you go into one of these meetings and the first guy getting lit up is Tom. And that sets the tone for the whole organization. When the guy making more money than literally everyone on the team, I mean, you could take probably 30 of the lowest paid Eagles and they wouldn't even equal Jalen Hurts, right? And there's only 53 guys on the team and he's willing to be pushed. He's willing to be yelled at. We talk so much in Philly about, you know, Jason Kelsey, about Fletcher Cox, about all those guys who are just fantastic leaders. Lane Johnson, who clearly just will play under any circumstances, put his body in the line. When the highest paid guy, when the highest paid guy on the team by a wide margin is getting screamed at, is getting pushed, is listening, and is asking for it back. That's all you want, man. It's why when you look around the NFL, you know, you can't do it by yourself. Patrick Mahomes get coached hard by 
Andy Reid. Really hard. I mean, Andy doesn't coach like, you know, Nick Saban does, swearing at you, but he but he pushes him. Like he's on him, right? Because and Patrick wants it. And Patrick's on them. And and it just that gets the most out of yourself. Like part of the like Michael Jordan. You watch that documentary? Like Phil Jackson was pushing buttons there, especially when Phil first came in. Right? Phil wasn't just like, Michael, do whatever the hell you want. It's not the way it works. Not the way it works in sports, man. I saw this good Instagram the other day of Jay-Z talking about, you know, early on in his business career, he wanted to own everything 100%. Like, I, I'm Jay-Z, I want to own 100%. And they started doing deals. Someone talked to him like, you know, you're stronger when you do partnerships with other people and you take their expertise and use them go to higher places. He's like, you know, I started doing some of these 50-50 deals with some of these companies and we start doubling, tripling the value of the things I was involved in. And the sooner you get open-minded, like, and listen, I can battle with this sometimes. Like, I can just do it all myself. No, you can't. And why would you want to? You're so much more powerful. And I can speak for myself on this podcast right here. This podcast, I'd say 90% of you never would even know who I was if it wasn't for Colin Coward and the volume. It, you would have no clue who I was. You'd never heard of me. I could just be talking into a mic in front of, you know, 5,000 people. Instead, we're doing pretty well. So the notion that the top players in the league all want to be pushed, it's kind of a tried and true formula. You know, the league is full of high level guys that are getting coached hard. And when you look at the top teams, like how Josh Allen become a star? Brian Dable was in his ass every single day. And what happened when Brian Dable left? It was like, as Ken Dorsey coached him as hard, kind of had a down year for his standards, right? Part of being a star, if you want to go to war with Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's clearly willing to be coached. And I think we can question, like, how great is his coach? I don't know. Time will tell. But I I got a lot of respect for Jalen Hurts, man. And this is why I think in the NFL sometimes and and in drafts in general, when you try to evaluate guys and don't know the character stuff, good or bad, it's truly hard to put a stamp on a guy. It's why in the scouting community, you can be so confident when talking about a player because you know so much about the human. You have spent so much time getting to know the guy. Because ultimately, the guy is going to be the reason the guy maximizes his talent. Now, Josh Allen has more talent in his body than than Jared Goff. But I'd say both of them are getting the max out. Why? Because they give you everything they got. They want to be pushed. They're open to listening, right? And, and clearly, Jalen, like that's, I don't think he's just blowing smoke up Jalen's you know, ass by saying that. I, I think he truly believes it because he lives it. I'm sure we got some business owners here. I'm sure we got some people who are in charge of businesses. Does your business earn millions or tens of millions in revenue? Stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer we've ever seen. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment or interest for six months. NetSuite is the number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite. Think about that, 33,000. If you have been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, 
then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of special financing offer at netsuite.com slash J-O-H-N. That's netsuite.com slash J-O-H-N to get visibility and control you need to weather any storm. netsuite.com slash John. Do you know that Angie's List is now Angie? Your home for everything home? Listen, as someone who's been looking to buy a place and wants to do big projects once I do close on a house, I don't know where to start. Who am I going to contact? Angie can help you get the best price for your product. They have access to hundreds of thousands of pros, and they make it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure the job is done well. And here's the other thing. The pros in their network are locally based. They have been rated and reviewed by others in your area who have actually used their service. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the website, you could have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. How awesome does that sound? Here's the thing. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Last but not least, there's so much going on with this live PGA Tour golf thing. And the golf is completely different than football. It's a niche sport. It does it's doesn't even remotely have the audience of football, let alone like baseball or basketball. It's not nearly as big of a business as team sports. EPL, you go around the major, it's it's in a different world. It is ripe to be disrupted. Because in a niche sport, that is a billion-dollar business, but it's quickly fragmented because it's very dependent on a small number of players. It's very dependent on a certain number of sponsors. It's complicated, right? It's why Liv was able to come in. Live was funded by the Saudis, but to just create some chaos. And I, you know, I'm not a big soccer guy. I'm sure many people listening that like you know European soccer. I'm pretty sure that don't the Saudis own Man City. Didn't when they bought Man City, it was not in a great position. Having a lot of teams that they've invested in over in the European soccer leagues uh, was because they were kind of down and out and they were ripe to take advantage of. They have so much money that when you are a little desperate, they can come in like a great white shark, right? It's why actually I think if they were smart, they would kind of sniff around Major League Baseball. Uh, The NBA... You see some of these people buying into the NBA. Their their wealth is so big that they don't really need anybody. It's weird. Like the NBA is not as strong as it probably has been at certain points in time in in its you know post Michael Jordan era, but it's still strong enough where some of the richest people in this country are willing to pay an ungodly amount of money to own these teams and don't care whether they are making NFL money or not. Now, when it comes to the NFL. One thing that is going to be fascinating with Liv and the PIF and the Saudis and the PGA Tour is is, is it anti-competitive? Because once they control all of golf, it's impossible to start another league. You get destroyed. It's very anti-competitive, right? Well, do you ever turn on TV and see like the USFL or the XFL? Like there are other professional leagues. Now, I'm pretty sure the NFL is kind of financially invested in some, but regardless, like you can start another football league. You could start another little independent baseball league. You're not going to make any money, and you're going to fail, but it's not necessarily anti-competitive. The one thing the NFL really had, and I was thinking about it today. I love golf. 
And I like golf from like, I love this story because a lot of you that aren't big golf fans care about it because it is fascinating. My mom called, my girlfriend's mom called. It's a, it's a story on Fox News, CNN, let alone all the sports channels, right? It's, they broke the news on CNBC. They didn't break the news on the golf channel. It, it's, a, it's a story that everyone's going to have an opinion on. One thing football really has going for it, one, is it, it's the biggest cash cow in America when it comes to sports. And two, all their stories, or at least a lot of their stories, get that immediately. right? You can just ask someone like, how about the Raiders in Vegas? And you can just have a, start having a conversation like, who would have thought there'd be an NFL team in Vegas? And just start talking about relocation. Like, could the NFL go to London? And you can just have a realistic conversation with someone at a bar who might not even be a football fan. It's like, how, why do we have two teams in LA? And we're just talking like locations, let alone Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And if you just bring up Aaron Rodgers, do you know what could come up? Not like Aaron Rodgers. How about his back-to-back MVPs? Like That might be a conversation. Or how the Packers going to be without him? Or immediately comes up like, God, how about the vaccine stuff? Or Jesus, sat in a dark room, right? Or damn, was he really going to retire? Like the elements of the drama, and this is why football is the number one television show in America. It has every fucking element that you want. It's got all the casual drama, the big money, the succession type stuff, the sales of the teams, the moving of the teams. So then to the Knicks, like, how teams are playing certain defenses, right? How this player, I saw some quotes today from uh, coming out of Seattle. Uh, Tyler Lockett says that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a phenomenal player. DK just went on like a two paragraph rant about how good the guy is. So it has like really in-depth stuff on certain players, on certain schemes, on certain coaches. It just kind of got it all. (laughs) I saw today a clip from my guy Field Yates Andy Reid just talking about the different food items at the White House when they went. He actually gave this pretty good description of French toast, grilled cheese, ham sandwich that he said had some powdered sugar on the top. It sounds like it shouldn't work, but when you really think about it, I could see it kind of working. I I think the NFL, and I've said this forever, it's not going to stay on top our entire lives. That's just not the way the world works. Things ebb and they flow. But for the foreseeable future, when it comes to financially, they're pretty insulated. They really are because of the television money, because of the owner wealth that's been created this last decade plus, uh, and from the club that they don't really need anybody else. They they really don't. And the reason golf was ripe to be taken advantage of is because they kind of needed some help. They got out in front of their skis. They were never going to be able to compete with the Saudis making these crazy elevated events. There's not the support. There's not enough people watching. There's The sponsors can't double their investments. It does not pencil. But it has to pencil because there's no way for them to keep their top stars if they can't pay them what the Saudis can pay, right? Eventually, the dam opens back up, right? Like, why do why do they own some of these soccer teams? Because they're fucking going broke. Like, if you told me the Oakland A's were sold to someone with the Saudis and they moved into Vegas, like, ah, I could I could see that. And who would want that business? Pretty risky. Not a guaranteed moneymaker. Maybe they wouldn't care. They just want to get their hands dirty. The NBA, probably closer to the NFL in terms there's enough super rich people lined up that they can insulate their business uh, you know, well enough. Now, how, for the foreseeable future, who knows? You never know. I think I saw a quote from Adam Silver that said, you know, I think he pushed back on the notion because clearly a lot of people are asking, like, are they going to get involved in some of the major team sports? And I think it's inevitable they're going to try. 
they're just slowly, surely wake, moving their way in. Uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Okay, let's uh, let's do some live golf mailbag at Golopod. At Golopod is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. One thing I wanted to address because someone had emailed me, or excuse me, had DM'd me last week. Uh, my timeline's all messed up. It's been a long week. I think it was all, it would have been on Tuesday's podcast. So he had DM'd me for the mailbag about he'd been with his girlfriend. Is it a good time to get married? And then I think my advice was to spend a couple years before you had kids. And I had some people DM me and say, you know, I would recommend having kids as early as possible. And I was like, listen, I think kids a little bit like a polarizing when to buy a home conversation. Everything is unique to yourself. So I I didn't have kids in my 20s. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. I made sure I, you know, avoided it at all costs, right? In terms of relationships, in terms of not trying to get anyone pregnant. Like I couldn't, I couldn't have afforded it. Uh, I know a lot of people say you just figure it out. It wasn't even on my mind. And it really hasn't been on my mind until the last couple of years, right? And I know people that have kids in their mid-20s that are financially stable and are ready to rock and roll. I know people that aren't financially stable that have done it and had... Everything is unique to the individual. We talk about this in the draft all the time. Like Every player is his own person. So every person's character and question marks when they're when it's negative stuff or positive stuff is unique to themselves. Now, obviously, like work ethic and stuff, like good ones, that's very similar to a lot of guys. But like I, I've had a lot of friends that have had kids in their early to mid 30s and were much more financially stable. It's obviously than when my parents or your parents had kids in the 60s, 70s, 80s, whenever, it was much more affordable. Like, I know people in the Bay Area that pay over six figures to have a nanny just to themselves. And just childcare in general is like sixty, seventy thousand dollars in certain areas. Now, obviously, depending on where you live, it can change, depending if you have a mom or a dad around, right, or aunt, uncle, or whoever. So everything is unique. My advice was only if you're gonna get married at 25, 26, I don't think it's insane to just enjoy yourself for a year, right? I mean, just just have a good time together. Now, you could argue we're ready to roll, you're ready to roll. If she really wants to have a baby, get pregnant. Do do what you do. My path is not your path, and your path is not my path. As Tiger Woods once told Harold Varner, run your own race. You only know what's best for you. Obviously, sometimes you need direction or whatever, but uh, some people are ready to have kids right away. Some people are not. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users 
don't visit other leading job sites. LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go to the mailbag. Question for the bag. Love the pod. We know that Rory regrets being the sacrificial lamb. Do you think now it feels worse on Rory in a golfer sense because he was the lead guy in all the talk meetings? Is it fair to say that he could have won a major if he was focused strictly on golf and not the live golf debate? Context. Won the tour championship in 22, playing great golf, finished top 10 in six of the last eight majors. Here's where I think he got screwed. Jay Monahan is not like a Roger Goodell or Adam Silver. Like he never talks until he absolutely has to talk. He honestly is behind the scenes to me way too much during this whole thing. Now, I don't think Rory, and he admitted as such, regrets not going. I think he said, I was watching my golf channel today. I don't know if he's just saying this. He said he was never offered a contract. Clearly, John Rahm, Hideki, Tiger, you know, Spieth, Xander, Tony Fino, all those guys were offered contracts. I don't think, in one conversation that I think is missing the boat a little bit, some guys surely regret it. Like, if you told me Patrick Cantlay and Xander regret it, I'd believe you. But I bet John Rahm and Rory McIlroy and obviously Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, do not regret their decision at all. Now, could they have made more money in the short term? 100%. But part of being really rich in all those guys, I mean, Rory's worth hundreds of millions. John Rahm's going to have a two-year stretch now where he's going to make probably 50-plus million dollars just playing golf. That doesn't include his massive Callaway, Travis Matthews deal, his NetJets deal, his Top Golf deal. John Rahm, I bet the last two years is banking 50 mil a year. It, money means nothing to John Rahm in terms of like, he doesn't worry about money. And he hasn't had to worry about money in probably half a decade. Part of being really rich is like, yeah, I don't really want to play live golf. Doesn't interest me. Could I have made more money? Of course. Right? Like, if I'm an NFL player and I play for the Cowboys or the Eagles, what if I'm a free agent and they want me back? But I could make $2 million more going to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the... Uh, Washington Commanders. It's like, well, I've already made, let's say, I'll just pick a number, $30 million playing in the NFL. They want me back at 85% of the price. I love this team. I love this coach. I'm staying. Now, obviously, it's not apples to apples, more money. But my point is simply, you can't always make your decisions based simply on money. Now, you can when you're poor or when, if you're making $100,000 right now and someone calls you up and goes, listen, I want you to come work for my company. I will offer you $150,000. You're like, I don't like the boss. I'm not interested in the product. It doesn't make sense. But if that same person calls you and goes, listen, you're making a hundred grand. I'm going to offer you a million dollars. Like you probably got to take it. Because worst case scenario, you leave in a couple years, you make so much more money than you would have. If you have a family, it changes your life. But if I'm already worth 85, a hundred million dollars, and I know I'm going to make another $50 million over a couple years, 
If someone offers me $100 million, even if it's guaranteed, and I don't even have to do anything for it, if I'm not interested in being involved with them, I don't think it's a huge mistake that guys didn't go if they didn't want to go. There are definitely guys that wanted to go that said no. Patrick Cantlay wanted to go. Xander Shoffley, those guys, were Cam Young were sniffing around. They probably would have gone if they would have known the way this would play out. But I don't think John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas would have changed their opinion. I, I, I really don't. Could be wrong on that one. I think Rory got screwed in terms of it shouldn't be his job, just like it shouldn't be any player's job. I even struggle like everyone's shitting on Bryson DeChambeau, and I would have recommended if I was his PR guy, like, hey, we're not going on CNN. Because when you talk about 9-11, you say, eventually you got to forget, <laughs> or we got to forgive, like, yeah, Bryson, just stop talking. But it is not Bryson. It's not on Bryson to like, he, he has, he's just taking the Saudis' money. He, he really is just a golfer. He might say some stupid shit, but like, I, I can't be the moral police on him. I honestly don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't think he's a terrorist. I don't blame him for taking $150 million. He didn't like the PGA Tour, and no one on the PGA Tour liked him. So I understand why he left. Just saw the news come across. Live in the PGA Tour. I think Liv successfully got the tour's attention enough to force them to either sign a truce or deal with the headache into perpetuity. Now that they've agreed to play in the same sandbox, do you think they'll get along and will tensions continue a power struggle to persist? Here's the thing. Let's use the NFL as an example. When the CTE stuff was happening, they started realizing they were going to lose a shitload of lawsuits and it was going to cost them a ton of money. So eventually, they started paying people out. And as they were paying people out and settling lawsuits, they also changed all the rules in the NFL, right? Hitting the quarterback, hitting people over the middle, targeting uh, the independent doctor with concussions. They didn't actually care about the concussion stuff. Because if they did, they would have done this a long time ago. They were just mitigating their financial risk. The PGA Tour could not afford to go to war with the Saudis in court. I've heard other podcasts that are dialed into this. I think it's been reported before. that The Saudis had earmarked, I think it's up for debate, the number, two to five billion dollars just for money to fight in court. Legal fees. The PGA Tour could not fight them in perpetuity in court. If me and you, if you, I don't know, let's say we're business partners and you start suing me and it's, you're suing me for a million dollars and I think I'm, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I can fight it, right? I, and I would fight it. But if you are backed by Warren Buffett and are like, I'm going to fight this to the death, you are, I'm going to bleed you out and you're going to lose. Eventually I'd be like, well, I probably... Even if I don't think I did anything wrong, I don't have the financial ability to fight this guy. Should I try to cut a deal? And I think what what the PGA Tour did is attempt to cut a deal. Now, I've seen some conspiracy theories like the DOJ is never going to allow this because it's anti-competitive. So could Jay Monahan just be doing this, know that it'll get shut down, and then kind of screw Piff's ability to ever get back involved with golf? I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far. I don't know if Jay's proven to be that smart uh, and the guy leading the charge, Jimmy Dunn, 
who is this really, really successful business guy who's buddies with Tom Brady based in Florida. Jimmy Dunn's entire operation was in one of the towers in 9-11. Like his whole business, everyone died. He knew, I, I, I mean, I don't know the exact number of people he knew, but like people in his own business, like best friends, partners, were all killed. He said today on TV, because a lot of this is like, did the Saudis, did these people fund the 9-11 terrorists? And listen, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it feels like, my main question is, do these people hate us deep down? And do they want to see us fail? Like, I, I do think that's a fair question. Like, do they fundamentally hate us? But we're kind of forced into doing business with them politically, right? I think you could say the same thing about China. If they could, would they immediately wipe us out or take over? I think we can have those conversations while we're doing business with them. Because capitalism is, you know, you just got to do business, you know? Now, you could argue... You don't have a choice. Like, we got to get our iPhones and everything. Like, we couldn't afford to do it here. No one would have any of these things. You could argue, do we need to have iPhones? I mean, there's a whole... We get down the rabbit hole. But Jimmy Dunn said, if he knew the people that were involved with the Saudis, he'd kill them himself. Because they're getting peppered with these 9-11 questions, as they should, because the PGA Tour took this moral high ground, and the commissioner, who said that you know, he knew the families of people that died. It's hard to pivot, but I think there are so many variables to this story that it just simply comes back to golf is not football. It has limited amount of resources financially. And they had to up all the purses to compete with live. And they don't actually have enough people watching and enough people willing to finance it to make it make sense. Nate Hubbard, whose brother plays on the PGA Tour, who's a business guy, has tweeted like the VCs, the people with the cash, like won't just give them the money because it doesn't pencil. So the only place they can get the money is from the people that know that want to take over. And that's PIF. And then I think the big picture is like, do we want to be in business with these people? I think it's fair to ask that question, which most people ask. But I also struggle shitting on all the guys for taking the money. It's tough. I mean, it's a complicated issue. I can't believe I'm saying this. I watched Sunday live when Harold Varner won, and it was awesome. The shotgun aspect and other players in contention, and Varner needed to birdie his last hole to win, and he did. The last hour had multiple players with a shot or two. Cam Smith and Bryson were right on him. I was home with a sprained ankle, and I was stuck on the couch. I enjoyed how it played out. They have a long way to go, but it's somewhat enjoyable. No real question here. Just wanted to say it was a fun watch. I flipped it on, that tournament that Harold won. I think it was at Trump's DC course. And for one hole I watched, and Varner was on like a par three, right by the water, and tunes were just blasting. And listen, there was a vibe. There's no, like the vibes were strong. Their main problem is, let's just say it's a perfect world and everyone's going to get along. Because I think there are some debates whether is Liv going to die or whether it's going to continue. And Alan Shipnuck, who is like a legit journalist, who's gotten in with, you know, covers Liv closely, wrote an article today that the plan is for Liv to continue. That the PIF has told Greg Norman that they're not going to cut it out. Even though, in my opinion, now you could argue that these people don't operate like normal businesses because they don't have to. They have an unlimited amount of money. But isn't part of getting a universal tour to like everyone to play together? 
Now, if it's true that they're going to keep live going, I think the question mark still is, how are they going to play at better courses? Because if live is a separate entity, and I understand the PJ Tour might be involved with PIF, these country clubs and these places like Pebble Beach are not going to want to do business with them if they don't have to. So I don't understand why Live would continue. I also think the shotgun start don't hate it. But part of like a good no-cut event is you have more people playing than would be in the shotgun start. Unless you just went four guys every single hole. What's, you know, four time 18. I, I guess that would work. So if you cut down to like 60, 70 players, 72. Yeah, I guess it would work on Saturday and Sunday of a tournament. My only thing is, what makes a cool part about watching golf for myself is like Sunday of a golf tournament is a guy finishes and he has a two-shot lead. And they're still the leaders are still on hole 14. You know the different holes they got to play. Like, oh, that's a birdie hole. Oh, they could bogey that hole. And there's like a sequence to golf, right? Like when you watch the Masters or in a week you watch the U.S. Open, once you kind of learn the holes Thursday and Friday, come the weekend, you got a pretty good idea. Ah, oh, shit. Hole, hole 14s is really or 15s is really short par three. Hole 14, birdieable par five. So you know, like, hey, DJ's one back or Brooks and and uh Patrick Reed and Max Homa and Tony Finau are two ahead. Well, they've already gone through the easy holes. This they might bogey this hole. When it's a shotgun start, the ebb and the flow to the round is a little bit different. Anyone listening to this that's played like a shotgun. You start on hole like five. It is kind of weird. Now, from a viewing perspective, I like people just playing one through 18. Like if me and you are going to play golf, right? If you and I are going to play golf, let's just, let's say we're going to play a sweet course. I'm going to meet you and we're going to play Pebble Beach. Would we rather tee off? The place is empty. We got the whole place to ourselves. If we could choose, would we start on hole seven, the little par three? That's right by the water. Probably the most famous hole at the course. Would we start on hole one? We start on hole one. Longtime listener of Three and Out. I absolutely love your content. Uh, but the past recent months, I have been diving headfirst into the game of golf. My new long work commute. I wanted to know what golf podcast you listen to. I listen to uh, No Laying Up. Usually Sunday, you know, Monday morning, their reaction to big tournaments. I listen. Smiley Kaufman actually has a good little podcast. Starting, I, I really enjoy Smiley's talented. I, I think Smiley, if his golf career, you know, is over, I think he's got something going. He, he's pretty natural personality, his understanding of golf. He just, he's a cool customer. I, I think I, I, he's got a bright future. Uh, so Smiley's got a good podcast. Uh, I listen to. I think Golf Digest has a podcast. I would say the main ones would be No Laying Up. I like. Uh, I listen to The Ringer has one with with Hubbard and House. Not bad. I enjoy that. I listen to a Golf Digest one that's not bad. The Fire Pit guys is the Fire Pit guys. Let me go to my podcast here. Yeah, I think it's the Fire Pit Collective. They they have a good newsletter too. Uh, golf Digest, not bad. Golf.com. I mean, just type in golf. Just play around. I, I still am doing that. Hey, John, question for the mailbag. With the news of the merger, merger would be strong. I, th- I think it's more of a uh, business partnership. Was a statement that mentioned growing team golf going forward. Team golf is sweet when you feel connected to your country during the Ryder Cup or President's Cup. 
But I do feel like no one cares about random arbitrary teams like Liv has. How are they going to make a team format work in pro golf? I completely agree. Even the guy that just said he watched Harold Varner win. The reason that was cool is Harold Varner was competing with Cam Smith and Bryson to win the tournament. No one gives a flying you-know-what about whether Harold Varner and whatever the, the cliques and the range goats and the four aces. No one cares. And no one's going to care. I am in complete agreement with you. Part of what makes the World Cup sweet, I don't pretend to care that much about soccer, but when we're playing like Brazil or the Netherlands, like I'm pretty locked in. When it's JT and Spieth playing Rom and, and Rory or Hovland and Sergio, like it's badass. The President's Cup and it's Tom Kim and Sun JM against Homa and Finau, I'm in. I do not care about what, if Brooks Kepka can carry Chase Kepka to a team win. I truly believe that live as a team element. Now we could argue, could some of the uh, shotgun start stuff, could some of, I, I don't really know what else, the music, I guess, some of their like kind of waste management, always tournament vibes kind of work, but shorts. Yeah. I mean, you could convince me some of their stuff, the random arbitrary team, like, Hey, it's uh Jordan Spieth. It's Jordan Spieth, Max Homa, Denny McCarthy and Maverick McNeely. Like, no one cares. This is not like Mahomes throwing to Travis Kelsey or Stephen Clay. No, I'm completely with you. I do not think the team stuff works. It works in basketball. It works in football. It works in baseball. It does not work in golf beside the countries. I, I completely agree. It's really just a way to funnel guys more money. What a week. What a week. Okay, we'll have a big mailbag come Sunday. And uh, have a good Friday. Have a good Saturday. Enjoy the fam. Peace. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.